You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Today we're going to be talking to Tim Tipton. Uh, he's based in Colorado, and he's the chief visionary officer for Phoenix Tears Foundation, uh, which promotes cannabis education and research and advocacy. He's a court-certified expert in medical marijuana, and he's the founder of Rocky Mountain Caregivers Cooperative. Tim, how are things today? Aloha. Welcome. Aloha. Uh, what a beautiful, amazing Indian uh, summer day here in uh, high in the Rocky Mountain uh, retreat where I'm at. Uh, we actually got a little bit of snow last night. So I got some snow on the motorcycle. I don't think I'm going to be riding today, but at least the sun's shining bright and they're calling for 70 degree weather coming up. So uh, I definitely am uh, praying for a continuation of Indian summer till my birthday on December 8th, if I can. You De- know. December 8th. Well, we wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Tim, you, you, you are uh, a court certified expert in medical marijuana. How did that come about? Oh, what what an amazing journey that was. It, it's nothing that you ever asked to become, uh, let me tell you that. But uh, my doctor had asked me to get involved about 12 years ago now uh, in, in um, uh, patient advocacy. And by standing with uh, patients who um, I was advocating for, when they get in trouble with the law for marijuana possession, things of that nature, um, that was how... Uh, I became a court certified. Uh, I'm actually uh, certified in 11 different jurisdictions across uh, the Rocky Mountain State and uh, recognized by the Colorado Supreme Court. But uh, basically, uh, uh, about 11 times it went, uh, the prosecuting attorney, um, the defense attorney would suggest that I be certified uh, as an expert in the area of cannabis and how it grows. Uh, And uh, uh, the uh, prosecuting attorney would say, oh, no, he's nothing but a stoner. He has no (laughs) specific credentials. So Mm -hmm. uh, the judge would bang his gavel down. He did 11 different times and said, nope, he's a court expert. So uh, for all intents and purposes, because I'm not a physician, uh, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer, uh, but I get to play one on TV and the radio uh, type of thing and uh, uh, um, help educate where I can. Tim, are you in court very often? You know, it really uh, is kind of like an ebb and flow situation. Uh, it seems like uh, three, four years ago, we had uh, a considerably more caseload of patients getting in trouble with uh, the marijuana. But uh, of late, uh, the latest uh, issues seem to be around this new uh, found regulatory scheme that's called limiting the local city plant count to about six or 12 plants total. So, uh, you know, basically we've got an entity called the Colorado Municipal League, 
and they sent around suggested language for ordinances uh, as if there was a problem with uh, uh, people growing cannabis, which really in the state, for the most part, there's not. But um, they wanted to have an overly uh, uh, um, uh, burdensome regulatory scheme that limits it to 12 plants total and things like no outdoor growing and uh, things that uh, really are in direct conflict with our Colorado Constitutional Amendment 20 that gives our legal patients the uh, ability to grow uh, as much as is necessary, uh, medically necessary, but also there's no inherent restrictions to things like having to grow indoors. And these are these are things, in fact, even uh, in Longmont, Colorado, they've adjusted the uh, uh, potential ordinance language to include just ignoring the Fourth Amendment uh, protections from uh, uh, illegal search and seizure and uh, things like there's no need for a warrant if you know that there's marijuana in the home that... Uh, uh, this ordinance language would supposedly allow the police to just gain entry without even obtaining a warrant. Tim, so, uh, Tim? I've, I've been in court uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I'm uh, hoping to have this case uh, that will change the whole entire case law in the state and uh, throw out these ridiculous uh, local laws that are being passed. Tim, can, thanks. Uh, can I interrupt and just um, ask you to please uh, clarify for the benefit of listeners um, in other places of the world that Colorado, is where you live, is actually a legal state for both recreational and medicinal uh, cannabis. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct uh, that uh, uh, if you're over 21 years of age, you can grow, own, or possess uh, six plants. Uh, uh, cannabis plants as an adult. So that's an, a unique situation. So since the legalization in uh, Colorado, how has the public reacted? And do you have crazed drug addicts all around town? <laughs> <laughs> as, as some people would have us believe. Yes, that, that, that seems to be the problem is, uh, you know, as Dr. Bob Melamed, uh, 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 the guru of cannabinoids, as I like to call him, uh, 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 one of our uh, uh, partners with the Phoenix Tears Foundation, uh, our science advisor, uh, talks about the BIPs, the black, backwards-looking people, and the flips, the forward-looking people, and uh, things like concepts of the third eye opening from uh, use of cannabis kind of allude to a, a different type of an evolution of a person. And uh, a lot of these prohibitionists that are out there are really using what little dastardly lies that they can get away with to really get some traction. And uh, I'm actually actively involved in a uh, um, advocacy for a ban. They want to put a ban on recreational uh, marijuana in the town of Pueblo, Colorado, uh, and they're coming up for a vote. But, uh, you know, these are like uh, emergency room physicians, and uh, some of the literature that's come out uh, to justify the ban is claiming idiotic uh, 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 things like uh, crime has increased by 
uh, hundreds of percent and, you know, just out and out lies. I mean, there, there hasn't been a problem in Colorado. Um, you know, kids still get into their parents' pot just like they did back in the 60s, um, you know, and uh, for the most part, uh, uh, there are no, uh, there have been no deaths reported. Uh, you know, there are ancillary stories that kind of allude to that type of thing and crazed reactions from edibles. But for the most part, uh, you know, if a person overeats, uh, even a younger person overeats uh, an edible, they're just going to sleep. So it's about sleeping it off. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, uh, there's so many ways that uh, the prohibitionists really have been able to uh, kind of make it an evil continuation of the reefer, reefer madness factor. Meanwhile, we have so many people coming to the state and having their cancer killed, uh, having their uh, child's epileptic seizures completely uh, resolved. Uh, you know, having their uh, 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 skin cancer uh, dissipate. Uh, so many positives that we experience that, um, you know, I'm very confident that when this year's election comes up, that for issues that involve different cities in Colorado associated with cannabis, that, uh, you know, some of the, the, like in Pueblo, for example, they use negative campaigning. So they knew, the prohibitionists knew they'd have really a hard time getting a ban put in. But if you vote, uh, you know, the opposite of yes to no on the, in the voting booth, that they, they figure that maybe uh, the voters aren't going to realize what they're actually voting for. And so that they're going to accomplish their goal by backwardsly really getting people not understanding the issue and voting in their in their direction toward the ban. Uh, it's real thin-veiled attempts, you know. Tim, uh, I believe there are nine states in the United States who will be voting November 8th on uh, legalization of medical marijuana and or recreational marijuana, depending on the state. Is there a... a much evidence of the pharmaceutical industries or the alcohol industries lobbying uh, to oppose the legalization of marijuana or medical marijuana? Yeah, yeah it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, as each year passes uh, uh, for the last uh, uh, 10 or so years, uh, it seems like more and more we're hearing of uh, private uh, entities that are associated with uh, larger corporations and, uh, you know, the tobacco industry lobby, the alcohol lobby. Uh, now the latest is the fentanyl patch manufacturer. They they realize that uh, cannabis is uh, having an amazing effect on the legal states in uh, people ha- using less prescription medications including things like fentanyl patches that are used for pain because uh, they can use a a very benign substance that's totally natural uh, as opposed to a very, very strong fentanyl patch, which uh, people are brought into the emergency rooms with overdoses of fentanyl patches regularly, and uh, there are deaths even that occur from that. But they've spent uh, supposedly behind the scenes millions of dollars towards uh, against uh, legalization efforts and it it really i I just have to mention that 
um, the word legalization is such a perversion for what is being really suggested. Uh, as my counterpart, Robert Chase, uh, uh, with uh, caregivers and patients uh, here in Colorado, has said many times that, uh, you know, here in Colorado, we've actually got more laws that are uh, against marijuana that are on the books now than there were before we had quote unquote legalization. And uh, California's uh, the AUMA uh, uh, situation out there uh, really calls for, uh, you know, if a person gets caught with more than an ounce of marijuana, it's almost like a death sentence. And uh, I'm sure for the, the uh, atmosphere that we've had out in that state uh, since 1996, when medical uh, cannabis was legalized there, uh, it, it would have a very horrendous effect, and it would find a lot of people who weren't previously uh, 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 eligible for conviction uh, really uh, right there in the face of possible prosecution. And so we're we're uh, we're voting. Uh, we're suggesting that folks really kind of wait until we have more of a reasonable language that's not over-regulatory in nature on these states uh, that are trying to, to legalize. They, they need to really look uh, hard and fast at states like Colorado and Washington, where basically they've almost wiped out the entire medical marijuana program and the liquor control board runs it and they were proved originally to have emails where they were selling licenses for dispensary stores uh to individuals before the licenses were even to be available so um yeah it's know. a similar situation it's a similar situation that is occurring in this country in canada where some people suggest that uh uh, marijuana, medical marijuana, should be sold in um, liquor stores. Some suggest it should be sold in pharmacies. And but Tim, you you made a brief uh, uh, reference to it uh, a few moments ago when you talked about people moving to Colorado. Tell me some stories about people that you've talked to who have moved to Colorado who have had some serious health issues or their loved ones have had some serious health issues. They couldn't get relief in the state that they were living in, so they moved to Colorado, went on uh, medical cannabis, and uh, their lives or the lives of their young uh, loved ones have changed. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> near and dear to my heart, uh, I would have to mention uh, Dahlia, uh, you know, little Dahlia, the brain cancer patient, uh, her mother, Mo Barnhart, uh, out in uh, Tampa, Florida, is uh, probably most famously known as uh, well, one of the original Canna moms. And, uh, you know, to have that little girl come and be able to uh, come to Colorado from Florida, um, you know, she'd already been to multiple states hospitals and, uh, uh, you know, three brain surgeries. Uh, you know, the second one, the, the, the brain had kind of uh, um, uh, um, uh, necessitated the surgery uh, for a third uh, surgery to occur. And uh, for her to be able to get a quality of life back, 
uh, and and really begin that uh, journey of healing. Um, of course, they went back to uh, Florida, and Mo is very active as a as an activist to try and change the the policies out there, and was a big part for approving the. CBD, uh, the legislature, the the CBD dispensaries that they already have, uh, but uh, this this poor little girl, you know, wasn't deserving of uh, the the level of uh, uh, problems in her life in her first three or four years, and 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 it really uh, during going through things like chemo. Uh, and what have you, uh, to be able to embrace a natural therapy really helped her to not have the nausea and really give her a, a quality of life where right now she's somewhat like a, a normal little girl. But I have to say uh, uh, recently she got some rash uh, from uh, an immune system. I, I believe she caught shingles, and uh, that's a, a condition that I had caught at one point. Uh, it took me 18 months to overcome that health circumstance. But, um, you know, it, the, mm-hmm. the the changes in lives, we have people who are stuck in Georgia right now with GoFundMe accounts that really would like to make the transition but need enough money. The the people that are on other Indiegogo uh, uh, fundraisers that uh, basically are looking for $100,000 for some CBD therapy, which, you know, technically right now uh, 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 is kind of like, wow, where do they need $100,000 from when technically speaking to come out to Colorado from another state and, and embrace the therapy? It may take a few thousand dollars but nowhere near that and uh you know we're uh, uh we're just so amazingly blessed with uh, uh the rocky mountain state being one of those places where everybody gravitates towards this is a place to come to for our quality of life and people are really friendly and, and, and engaging so for the most part folks are able when they do come to the state are able to connect with uh, uh some locals or or some people that are in their similar situation most often Oftentimes on social networking, and uh, these relationships evolve over time, and and folks come up from Texas. Uh, uh, I know of a, a young lady with breast cancer that uh, had come up, uh, and she was able to use uh, both uh, the oral uh, oil and uh, a lotion medication. Uh, and uh, she was uh, eligible for a radical mastectomy, according to traditional doctors. But uh, with uh, with a sabbatical here in Colorado of a matter of a few months, uh, she was able to change her life. But, uh, you know, most people can't just break away like that mm-hmm. and uh, uh, get to do the treatment in another state uh, and and pick up uh, with jobs and all those types of things and I'm just really excited now that we're we're reaching a new evolution of the hemp industry and the um, breeding uh, uh, capacity and changes that have allowed the hemp plant to have a higher cannabinoid profile 
of healing components that kill, or kill uh, apparently kill cancer quite effectively. Uh, things like THCV and CBG and uh, other cannabinoids that uh, are available in a hemp plant, which um, Colorado is a legal hemp state for growing. Uh, you know, hemp was part of the farm bill in the U.S., so we have quite a number of states growing uh, the hemp. But uh, really the CBD oil that uh, has been uh, uh, brought over from uh, Europe uh, that uh, has been processed uh, correctly and, and uh, is an effective therapy on some levels is like apples and oranges compared to the full uh, profile of cannabinoids uh, available in some of these cultivars of hemp strains that are uh, distillated uh, under uh, conditions which allow for most of those cannabinoids uh, to be uh, available. And so we've gone from a, a, a philosophy and a protocol of uh, 60 grams of cannabis oil taken in 90 days to a situation where we can have a tincture bottle of 10,000 milligram CBD that is actually uh, taken over a two-week time period, and then we recommend you go to the doctor to see if your cancer's been killed. Um, so you know, how, how, much, the, uh, how much CBD was that again, uh, Tim? Yeah, it's a, a tincture bottle. Yeah. Uh, you know, a normal size tincture bottle. Yeah. And and the thing of it is, it's about $1,800 for the cannabis oil, uh, you know, to purchase a 60-gram regime of protocol. Nowadays, we can get a, a 10,000-milligram bottle of tincture for about probably $600, $700. So, so what's, what's the uh, cannabinoid profile out of that one then? Is it just CBD or is there some THC in it or... No, it has very little THC, but it has uh, the enhanced cannabinoid profile with really, it's been bred to have really high levels of additional cannabinoids like the THCV okay. and CVG. Okay. CBG. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, this is stuff that we're boots on the ground. This is in the field kind of uh, efforts that we're making right now. Uh, and uh, it's really changing the whole course of, of, first off, hemp is completely legal, so that brings things into totally different ramifications, and, and maybe the person doesn't have to actually leave their home and their state in order to embrace the therapy. Um, you know, just lately, uh, yesterday, I was at a diner, and the waitress Believe it or not, I was introduced to as an epileptic patient. And she's been taking CBD oil, uh, but it hasn't really been very effective for her. And one of the things she mentioned was, oh, my gosh, the taste is so, so unbearable to, to taste mm -hmm. the, the hemp oil. And uh, I'm like, well, I, I'll bring you down to a friend of mine, uh, Todd Young, uh, with uh, uh, in Arvada has a greenhouse operation, uh, uh, and uh, they uh, called Ravens Medicinals, and he's doing some advanced healing work uh, using oils with higher cannabinoid profiles, but also he's using things like macadamia nut oil. 
and having cherry flavoring added. So nice. it, it really is important from a patient standpoint. The old days of, of uh, Mary Poppins and having the medicine be palatable uh, really are very important therapies for uh, for our patients to be able to embrace, but embrace it without having issues associated with nausea and things of that nature. Yeah, it uh, it strikes me as someone who's new to this, understanding this uh, industry, because uh, when I was in commercial radio and interviewed Corey uh, once a month, the very first time, Corey, I interviewed you, you must have thought, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know anything about, doesn't know anything about marijuana. You hit it well. Yeah, I hit it well. But it sounds to me, Tim, like we're really in the infancy of this, uh, this industry in determining what is beneficial for specific ailments. Uh, do I have that right? It, it, yes, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, uh, what works for some ther- some uh, uh, maladies doesn't work for others. Uh, I'm sad to, to say across the board, um, cannabis or hemp isn't the answer. <laughs> but in terms of uh, really adjusting people's quality of life to the positive and allowing them to to embrace a philosophy of not using uh, prescription medications. I mean, most of the time when I run across new patients, um, you know, they're taking upwards of 10 and 15 different medications a day. I mean, seven pills in the morning and eight pills at night. And, uh, uh, you know, I just had uh, my doctor, uh, Elkie Glazer, I had found out about a, a recent consult that she did uh, with a young man uh, who's autistic. And uh, there really is no need for these prescription drugs. In fact, this young man had been taking for years Effixer, which uh, basically the poor young man has a heart pacemaker now at the young age of his early 20s. And uh, uh, we have a, a solid belief at this point in time that the Effixer is the reason why he got the heart problems to begin with. Mm-hmm. And they continue on this path with the Effixer. And when this young man was recently in, a, in an emergency room situation, uh, here we are in a legal state, you know. And uh, it wasn't the doctor in the emergency room, but it was the nurse who, when he made mention of the fact that uh, uh, for his muscle spasms and that, for the most part, he's a legal patient and uses a lotion, a cannabis lotion. Well, lo and behold, here comes a, uh, a, a, a complaint to the uh, social worker, uh, mm-hmm. human services, a case is open. The next thing you know, the police department comes and, and the mother uh, was kind of uh, uh, slowly... Uh, coddled over to speak with other medical professionals while they could hurriedly bring the police in to interview this young man who was a legal patient to begin with. And then, of course, that turned into uh, a couple days later a visit from law enforcement to the household uh, to find out how uh, a welfare check. Um, you know, we're still in a uh, uh, atmosphere in the medical department, in the government, that really 
Um, you know, when some of these medical professionals at the hospital, when Dr. Sanjay Gupta's name was mentioned, these medical professionals had no idea who he was. I mean, I, I think there's a clear, clear need for education, and there's going to be for the for some time to come a need for advocacy and for people like myself that are willing to kind of stand up and, and and get in the way of a, a process gone wrong. Yes, uh, Sanjay Gupta is a, a medical doctor who uh, is on CNN. And he, at one time, was opposed to uh, cannabis. Uh, then he went to, I, did he go to Colorado or California, did some research, and now is a proponent of its use. He's, Colorado. Colorado. He, he said uh, 19 people uh, a day die of prescription drugs in the United States, and there has been no recorded death, I think, ever of anyone who's taken uh, marijuana slash cannabis. Definitely. And I mean, we have to mention our veterans, our PTSS, they call it post-traumatic stress syndrome now. But we have upwards, I understand, of 22 veterans a day committing suicide in the United States. And it's a horrendous figure. And the fact that the VA will not embrace and allow um, the doctors to uh, uh, um, have these uh, veterans get the therapy that they need uh, is really a, a, a national tragedy. It truly is. Tim, I think we need to mention to the, maybe listeners who don't realize that um, PTSD or PTSS uh, patients do very, very well with cannabis. Extremely yes, well. And, and I, I have to tell you that we're, we're kind of developing a protocol of about a seven-week intensive CBD oral therapy situation. Um, I'd like to do it in a remote location where the patient can actually uh, uh, learn a little bit about nutrition and yoga and do, do some horseback riding, horsemanship training uh, during a seven-week period while they're doing the oral CBD therapy. And it, it really goes a long, long way for helping to uh, allow for new mapping, new brain mapping and bridges to be connected that allow these patients to have some tools where when they leave uh, of uh, therapy regimes such as uh, I'm suggesting that they really uh, uh, have uh, things to work with beyond where they're at right now. And I, I really have to make mention, I, I'm in the process with Phoenix Tears Foundation. We're developing some strategic partnerships, and we're in the process of possibly setting up a veterans village circumstance uh, in Pueblo, Colorado, in Alamosa, Colorado, and also in Orange Cove, California. So uh, we're uh, maintaining strategic partnerships with businesses like Ponic Pod uh, that makes a grow building uh, for anyone that's that's uh, uh, involved in growing hemp or cannabis uh, and uh, needs the security and safety and and sterility uh, that uh, they provide those units. Um, I'm also partners in a new nutrient company that is, was uh, some uh, nutrient that was developed by NASA in Cape Canaveral uh, for the Mars Veggie Program, which uh, to be able to grow plants on Mars. So this company is called Space AG. 
for space agriculture. And we do one plant at a time, one planet at a time, if it were. <laughs> it's, so, it's the most studied fertilizer uh, in the world. Uh, the uh, NASA has been studying mm-hmm. it since 2008, and it was developed. It's a, uh, a chelated mineral that uh, has a polymer coating on it that can be dialed in for exactly when that plant needs to be getting that boost uh, of nutrient. And so it could be 80, 100, 120 days. But the cool part about it is it it uses a third, it, it allows the plant to use a third as much water, it grows a third more bud sets, and it grows a third faster. So they tested it on the International Space Station and and uh, uh, the tomatoes were growing at like 36 days instead of 57. And the astronaut who just came down from the space station had eaten all of the tomatoes and what have you. So it, it really is, it's, it's, as I say, one step better than organic where we're going with this because the plant doesn't need to prepare the mineral for uptake. So we got that sponsorship on the business side. And then we've got a, a, a uh, I'm involved with uh, Colorado State University at Pueblo. The state legislature got them $900,000 and they've set up the Institute for Cannabis Studies. And uh, I've been invited to be a adjunct professor at the university uh, in the fall of 2017 uh, coming up here. But uh, uh, it's so amazing that we can provide from industry and work with the nonprofit like Phoenix Tears to bring about this collaboration where we have the land and uh, the uh, professors like Dr. Kelly Holhoff can do vertical grow technology uh, research, Uh, Dr. Uh, Jane uh, can be involved in engineering uh, uh, and things at a facility where we're going to have Veterans Village outreach activities taking place. And, you know, our, our site in Alamosa is to be all sustainable. And uh, we're working with a group that has a, a re, it's, it's the Reef Farm. Uh, it's an uh, energy-efficient farm that basically, uh, uh, when we're talking about the land, uh, it, it shows respect for the land and earth and water resources, but it provides for a community. And so with that in mind, we've got a, a, a project down in Alamosa that has uh, geothermal uh, it's 128-degree water coming out of the ground, and we were, ho- were hoping to develop this Ren-Gen village, which is uh, actually houses that are inside of greenhouses. And uh, hmm. this 140-acre development there, uh, it's been done in Netherlands, the country in Netherlands, and it recently won the United Nations Sustainability Award. So, uh, you know, we're involved in, in so much with regards to saving, healing, and feeding the planet. Great. That's kind of what we're involved in. And, and my mentor, uh, Dr. Al, Albert uh, Sanchez, uh, he's the father of PolyMVA, uh, has a cancer center uh, named after him uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, 
uh, his organization that we're partnered with, uh, Saving, Feeding, and Healing the Planet, I think really says it all of what we're about. Uh, you know, trying to do our part to, to fill up, up the fill the gap where our government has not been able to, to help. Tim, uh, it's great stuff. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Next time, we'll refer to you as Professor Tipton. <laughs> well, I'll always be the Colorado Midnight Rider. So, okay, uh, when you see the comic book when it comes out in December, we're going to be having a a patient cup event December 11th. I'm hoping to have the new uh, Colorado Midnight Rider comic book out, and uh, without a doubt, it's going to be an educational and a parody on uh, some of the uh, 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 fallacies brought forward with these prohibitionists. So. Yeah. I'll make sure that we send you out some copies to the station, and and Corey can have an autographed copy, too. Perfect. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to talk to you. Sure. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. That's uh, Tim Tipton in uh, Colorado. Interesting guy. Very, very, very. He's got his uh, hands into everything. He's a, yeah, very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, doing fellow. doing a lot of good work. How did you uh, How did you meet up with him? Uh, Tim is connected with the uh, Phoenix Tears Foundation, as yeah. he mentioned, and um, I'm patient advocate with Phoenix Tears. Mm-hmm. Good. I should uh, remind our listeners that uh, if you'd like to make a donation to. Uh, Cannabis Health Radio. After all, we are listener-supported radio. Uh, go on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and uh, go to the donation page and make a donation. No donation is too small. Donate. No donation is too large. And we very much appreciate it because we want to spread the word around the world about uh, the use of medical cannabis and help as many people as we can. Corey, let's uh, do this again tomorrow. Sounds great, Ian. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.